to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And again, this is where we always take your questions. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there. You can leave those in the comments section under our live video uh, as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those questions. Uh, second win in a row for the first time this season. I know that's something that Coach had really talked about. You've got to start up. stringing them together if you really want to be in a position that you're in. So um, overall, just wanted to hear your first thoughts on, on that game and what that meant to this team at this point in the season. Well, they want to win the final six, but you can't do that until you win the first one and then mm-hmm. the second one, and you hope to get on a streak. The The best thing about these two past games is is really the way in which the Buccaneers have won them. Um, you wouldn't necessarily feel like you turned a corner if it was just like another Rams game where the offense went nuts right. and you won 55-40. to 40. That was a great game, don't get me wrong, but the defense was hadn't turned the corner yet at that point. The Atlanta game was the most complete game the Buccaneers have played mm-hmm. all year. It was probably... I think the final margin was maybe 34-17, something like that, but it felt 35-22, but it felt like a bigger win than that. I think we were in control of it most of the way. And then the Jacksonville game uh, was more of, a, of an indication of where this defense could go. You know, they did it in Atlanta, but to do it a second week in a row, to keep the pressure up, five more sacks, I think ten more quarterback hits, uh, and then the part of that was because the coverage in, in the back end was better, which – you know, made it harder for Nick Foles eventually or originally, and then right. Gardner Minshew to find targets, and they had to hold the ball. <clears throat> Gardner Minshew did a better job of scrambling away from the pressure, or if Foles had still been in there the rest of the game, I think we would have had even more sacks. So mm-hmm. uh, it was an encouraging game, and you know, in that the defense stacked them up two good performances in a row, and. Jameis Winston in the offense wasn't amazingly prolific like they have been in a lot of games, but they didn't really need to be. And they didn't, other than the one sack fumble, which was apparently a pass protection issue from the running back, there were no turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over. It was an efficient offense. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Um, And also we had a a question, which I know that we were going to get to a little bit later, but I figured since somebody already asked it, we'd go ahead and ask. Uh, Toby wanted to know, what are your thoughts on the firing of Ron Rivera? Yeah, I'm on the, I'm in the school that thinks, if the team is going to do that, if they know on December 2nd or whatever yesterday was, I don't remember what date it is mm-hmm. now, um, if they know they're going to do it, it's better for both parties to just go ahead and do it. Um, if you know you're going to fire your coach, do you need to keep putting up you know, putting up a facade for the next month? You give him a chance to start looking for jobs. You give the teams like maybe Washington that already has fired their coach a chance to start talking to him early if they want to, and it gives the Panthers a chance to start their search out in the open early. If they wanted to start searching, are they going to be doing it behind his back if they don't fire him? I know that the Packers, not everybody agrees, but I know that the Packers publicly said last year that their moving on early from Mike McCarthy was important in their process to get a head start. That's the way they feel about it. Some people disagree, but that's the way they feel. So I'm kind of in the school that that is a bit of a help. So if you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. Listen, he had nine years there, right? It was a good run. I think the Panthers have to consider that higher, a successful one almost a decade ago. They won three division titles in a row. Nobody had ever won this division in consecutive years, and they did three in a row. They made a Super Bowl. Um, He's probably going to get another job pretty quickly, I would think. But from our standpoint, I think you want to see turnover, right? And Maybe there's been talk of maybe that happening in Atlanta as well. If you have two of the four teams in your division with first-year head coaches – I feel like that feels like an advantage. Now, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a, f- a first-year head coach like Sean McVay Mav- yeah. comes in and immediately turns around. But I think more often than not, the first year under a new head coach for a team 
is probably not a playoff season. Yeah, so, there's some growing pains yeah, with exactly. a new system and everything. I mean, yeah, I think we've seen some point. of that here, right? Mm-hmm. Even with a very established head coach like Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and everybody that they got, it took a little while for that new defense to gel. So Yeah, that's a great point. Um, James said, backup quarterbacks have brought a lot of energy across the league. Do you feel in the past maybe we should have seen if Griffin could have brought a spark on games that Winston was struggling? So I guess he's kind of referring yeah. especially to Gardner Minshew in the way that they kind right. of brought different people Not in. Not a big fan of that. I mean – uh, you, you could see why it happened in Jacksonville last weekend. But backup quarterbacks, yeah, sometimes they provide a spark. I know Kyle Allen, they won in after Cam Newton went out, they've won like three of their first five games under him or something like that. But as time goes on, the true level of talent rises mm-hmm. or, or settles or whatever you want to say. And I think that overall Kyle Allen's numbers, just as an example, have not proven to be great. If you've got the guy you think is your best quarterback, you just play him. That's that's what I mean. I've heard Bruce say it several times. If 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 like when Jameis messed or you know injured his ankle a little bit, he's like, if he can play, he's going to play because mm-hmm. they know he's their best quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I know everybody would like, and I agree that everybody would like it if Ryan Griffin got a shot at some point because he certainly deserves it, and it would be. Very interesting to see just how good he is in, in a regular season game. But again, as I've said before, even if he played one game, I don't think if it's great, if Wouldn't it's terrible, necessarily tell us it doesn't prove lot. anything to mm-hmm. me. He needs yeah. a stretch of play, and you would expect over the course of what five years that that would have that opportunity would have arisen. It just didn't. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he still gets his shot. Right, uh, Devin said, "Is there any way with our cap situation that we can bring back our D line?" Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to see that based on who's not under contract next year. Uh, that the Bucks actually have a pretty decent amount of cap space heading into 220 right now, right? Some people are going to get re-signed. Who knows if what happens with Jameis, um, whether he's re-signed or gets a franchise tag. That's going to be a big chunk. But because Ndamukong Sue and Shaq Barrett and Carl Nassib and even other guys like Nacho and a couple of the others are all free agents, it's basically Vita Vea standing there alone saying, hey, I've got a contract and nobody else does. Um there's a lot of cap space, but it could get eaten up quickly by bringing some of those guys back. I think it's a long shot to think we'll get all of them back, but I got to think that's a priority priority going into this offseason is to see what we can bring back because the defensive front has been pretty good. And Mm -hmm. lately they've really been putting on a lot of pressure, and you see how the trio on the edge of Shaq and JPP and Carl Nassib when Ndamukong Sue and Vita Vey are doing what they're doing on the inside and drawing attention has really been good. So you'd like to get as much of that back as possible. Can we get all of it back? That seems like a long shot to me. So you may have to prioritize. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Pat wanted to know, what do you think of Mike Edwards? I think we haven't seen enough of him yet. I I like him. Uh, I think he's a smart guy. Uh, I think he's a versatile athletic guy who, you know, you've seen we we think we can play him in the slot. We've seen him playing more recently at safety. I I think we I talked to him a little bit on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and he feels like he's not trying to be Tyran Matthew. But he, but he's heard those comparisons, and he feels like he can play that kind of role. You know, he's he's a young guy who hasn't had as much playing time as some of the other young guys yet, so he's he's still developing. But I think he's going to be a good player here for a pretty good, pretty long time. Yeah, we hope so for sure. Um, Jay said, uh, "What is making the difference in the defense now?" Well, if you, if you you, I guess we can just go ahead and believe the storyline that both the coaches and the players have been telling us for the last couple of weeks is that it started with with Jamal Dean wanting to watch more tape in order to sort of fix what he felt like was a subpar performance for him and basically his defensive debut in Seattle. And it worked so well for him and so quickly that they all started watching more tape and with Todd Bowles. And it's showing up on the field because they're 
they're recognizing a lot more from that tape study. And when you can recognize things quickly and, and you can see from what you see, even from the formation before the snap, anticipate what they're going to do, you can be quicker with your reactions. And apparently also they're doing a better job of communicating. So those are really the two things. It's the recognition from more tape study and the better communication. Right. Um, and I guess if everybody is understanding things better, it makes sense that the communication would be better. Because if one guy sees something and quickly relates it to the next, that guy processes it quickly because he understands because he's seen the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a couple questions about the O-line that, you know, people were talking about the idea of trying to re-sign our D-line and, and mm -hmm. cap space next year and that sort of thing. And um, someone asked if you think we need O-line more than D-line. And then Nick asked, is there anybody that would be a vet on the O-line side that's about to be a free agent yeah. that we can bring in that would help our team? Oh, from, from outside, but yeah, but also you, we can also talk about our current situation of who would be. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't studied that yet. I don't know what potential offensive linemen are out there. I do know that it's pretty rare for a, a very good offensive tackle in his prime to hit free agency. Usually teams find a way to lock those guys up. The one guy on our offensive line who's a pending free agent is DeMar Dotson, who's also the senior guy there, the guy that's been around the longest, right? The guy that at this stage in his career, they give him a week off, a day off of every week in practice just to preserve him. And, and it, you need to do that because we need him out there because he's the, our best option at right tackle, and he's been a very good right tackle for a long time for us. But So that's the guy, part of that question there, that's the guy that could be a free agent. Do we need O-line more than D-line? That's going to go back to that question we just answered a minute ago. How many of what we got can we bring back? If we lose most of those guys, then D-line is going to be a major issue and probably what we would need to address right away in the draft. If we feel good about our D-line before the draft, I think targeting offensive linemen in the first round is a great idea. So it's, it's going to have a little bit to do with what happens in free agency. That's a great point. Um, Jamie said, how do you feel about Devin White? I feel like we're seeing him uh, emerge as the kind of player you hope you get when you use a fifth overall pick on the highest pick you've ever used on an off-the-ball linebacker. Those guys don't normally go five overall in top five. They have to be a special, special player with unique talents for a team to consider them that high when there was all the – remember, there was all those pass rushers. Like Josh Allen went to the Jaguars a few picks later, and I think he has like nine sacks now. That's something that any team can use. But we felt like Devin White could do more for this defense now and in the long run because of everything that he can bring. So look at his last two games. He has two sacks in Atlanta. He has an interception – in, in Jacksonville, the fumble return for a touchdown is a nice play, but it's kind of just being in the right place at the right time. Um, he, he, but he did have another pass breakup on a diving play. Uh, and if you watch his mic'd up segment on our website, you see several instances of him covering Leonard Fournette and doing a great job of it. So you got a guy that can cover. you got a guy that can close. There's another clip in there where he closes the gap really quickly on Fournette after a short pass. So you got a guy that can make tackles in the open field and can close gaps really quickly to shut down plays in the middle. you got a guy that can rush the passer. He can, he can do it all, which was what we said about him when we drafted him, and now we're seeing that. And just hearing his coaches and his teammates talk, uh, Jeff Ryan, who does the podcast with me, says he was talking to Levante David before he got on the bus at, when we were leaving Jacksonville, and he asked him about Devin White. And Levante was raving about saying this kid's going to be – a special player. Mm. And if Levante David feels that, that way, that is saying something. I'll take that opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Devin, John, a few other people asked about uh, Jamel Dean's health. And this is where we always have to give our disclaimer <laughs> yeah. that unfortunately we do the show on Wednesday mornings and we don't really tend to hear anything injury wise until we can just the afternoon. Recap what we know. But yes, so go ahead and. So Jamel left pretty early in that game with a shoulder injury. After the game, 
Uh, Bruce Arians says it was a bruise. Of course, he didn't know much yet at that point. So the next time we get to talk to Bruce is Monday morning, and he's asked about it again, and he says he was pretty sore that day, but we'd know more later in the afternoon, and that was Monday. But we don't get to talk to Bruce. Nobody talks to him again until today after practice. So whatever he found out later that afternoon is an important update, but we won't hear it till later today. So and, hopefully he's okay. Right. And um, uh, the fact that it's a bruise and not like a fracture or a torn ligament or something. Definitely I, that a better seems sign. Positive, yeah. Right? Uh, Elihu, I think Elihu, I hope Elihu, Elihu. I hope I Elihu. said that right, um, asked if Jamel can be a shutdown corner. Sure looks like it. I mean, he, he's, he's had sticky coverage in his last couple games that he's played. He's big. He's very, very fast, so he can uh, so he can catch up if he gets beat a little bit on a deep ball. Um, he seems to he he should be good at the press. He seems to have the traits of a guy that could be a shutdown corner. It's way way too early to know for sure, but he seems to have the traits. You know, his main thing in college, his main issue that ended up with him being a third round pick instead of like a high second or a first is injuries. People mm-hmm. were a little unsure about that, uh, but he's an extremely talented guy. Right. Yeah. That's Big true. and fast. You don't find that in a lot of cornerbacks. That's true. That's true. Great length, all of that. Um, well, thanks to all of you for being with us today on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. We'll be back here next week. So bring your questions then.